0: The reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, beginning at the first verse. If you'd like to follow it in the Church Bibles, it's on page 971. Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? when all the time there is a plank in your own eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye do not give dogs what is sacred do not throw your pearls to pigs if you do they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I'll add my welcome to to that of uh, Andrews. It's good to to be with you and good to see you all this evening. Do keep that open in front of you as we'll be uh, looking at it together. Um, But let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Let's pray. God our Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for these challenging words. And uh, Father, we. We first want to recognize that um, before you, we only come into your kingdom through your grace, that it it is not um, by our works, um, but it is by your grace um, that we come into your kingdom. And um, this is about living in your kingdom. And we pray that you'll help us to understand what that means for each of us um, tonight. Um, May your spirit be our teacher uh, as we look at this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, when you first read um, these verses, um, and maybe as you were hearing them read, it, it can seem like a, a random collection uh, of um, sayings. And sometimes we take verses 1 and 5 together, verse 6, and then verses uh, 7 to 11, as, a, uh, as if sort of different units of teaching, as if somehow the speaker, you know, is coming to the end of his... He's talking, he's throwing in, and there's this and and there's that, as sometimes um, speakers or even preachers are known um, to do. Um, But that, of course, would be a mistake. Actually, what we need to do is see these as a a unit. Um, And particularly, we need to look at verse 12, which is sometimes referred to as the golden um, rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I've got an overhead um, up there for us to help us through um, looking at this together. Now the the so, that little word so or therefore is summarizing what the earlier eleven verses has been illustrating for us. And so Jesus gives us these um illustrations of the golden rule so that he gets to the point, Jesus saying, of so, do to others what you would have them do to you. And the first, the first illustration is around not condemning, not judging, not blaming um, others. That's verses one to five, or when judging turns on you. Verse one, do not judge, or you too will be judged. And it's in many, very many ways, it seems very easy for us to understand this, isn't it? Isn't it? Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you want to be part of my kingdom and be like me, you must abandon those deeply rooted uh, human practices that we have of condemning and blaming other people. But because when we think about that, that's a massive challenge, isn't it, to us? Because we might be thinking, really, Jesus? Really? Can we really navigate all human relationships without letting people know what is on our our, our minds? Because Jesus isn't saying that we're to be blind to situations. He's not saying, you know, do not evaluate. He's saying do not judge. Do not judge. And we need to realize that the difference and the response to the difference uh, and see when one is moving into the other, when evaluating moves into um, condemning other people. And when we move to condemn or to judge, what we're really saying is actually we're saying something um, about the other person that somehow they are deeply bad or deeply irredeemable, and so cut them out, push them away as somehow not acceptable. And of course, the only one who can do that, as we were alluded to earlier, the only one who can judge fairly and rightly is Jesus, of course. Now, the scriptures do speak of making evaluations, Uh, of others even and Jesus even in the same chapter moves on in verse 15 we didn't have it read but it's worth noting verse 15 watch out for the false prophets well if you're watching out you've got to be doing some kind of evaluating there haven't you but of course we need to remember this requires deep uh, spiritual maturity it requires um, an undertaking of humility And to take it with care. Um, Listen to what Paul in Galatians 6 says. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, notice you're living by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. Very important. Gently. But watch out yourselves. Also you may be tempted. I think... It's true for me, the most mistakes I've made in ministry is when I have been too quick into a situation and I have not been gentle. I have not exhibited that fruit of the Spirit. Because the result of condemning others is, the course, the counter-attack, if you like. The counter-attack. Verse 2. For in the same way, as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I've especially noticed this. If you've been a parent, or you are a parent at the moment, bringing up uh, 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 children, you'll know this is quickly happens, doesn't it? You make a judgment on your children and you say the reason for it, and they quickly use the same measure back on you, don't they? Well, I've seen you do it, Dad. (laughs) At least I get that all the time. (laughs) Even quoting my own words. We see this happens not only in relationships, um, but also we see it between generations. Um, The older generation... Attempted to condemn the younger generation the youth of today they are lazy and they are self-absorbed and always on their phones or something along those lines but the younger generation can be equally condemning by the same measure of the older generation we hear it even now don't we They've robbed my childhood through climate change. And it's their fault. Or they might say, I can't get a house because it's unaffordable because of that generation. The measure, the same measure. The counterattacks will come. And Jesus gives us a new way, verse three. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when at the same, when at all the time there is a plank in your own eye? How does Jesus know there is a plank in your own eye? Well, because, and I think this is the simplest reading of understanding what the plank is. The plank is that spirit of condemnation, isn't it? That is the plank, that spirit of judgmentalism in our own eye. We cannot see clearly how to assist others because we cannot see them correctly. You can't help someone You cannot love someone by condemning them or by judging them. You need to see them. You really need to see them for who they really are before God. And what does God say about people? We're all spiritual beings, aren't we? Made in his image. That's how he sees us. Deeply loved but desperately seeking approval. With all kinds of flaws in us in need of restoration, of need of help. That is how God sees us. And we need to see people as God sees them. I've been thinking quite a bit, uh, as many of you know, uh, about eye surgery um, this last few weeks. Uh, Before we even attempt eye surgery on someone else, We need to examine ourselves. We need to remove the plank, the condemning spirit. Fundamentally, it's about remembering who we are before God. Paul says in Romans 8, begins that famous and magnificent passage by saying, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned So why would we condemn or judge another? So that's the first point that we have. The second one is not forcing beautiful things on others. I think we're all really, aren't we, in the business of trying to engineer other people. I do it, I'm sure you do it. We are in that business of engineering other people's lives on the basis, somehow, that we know what's best for them. We can even push things of God upon others, whether they want it or not, whether they are ready for it or not. We are all pearl pushers. You're a pearl pusher. We do this whether it's um, you know we do this in sort of simple ways, whether it's you know trying to push a diet on somebody else, or whether we try to push something uh, on my children, like I'm always trying to push homework on them, or something like that. It's the misguided practice of being a pusher, and often you will see the effects of that later on in life. Jesus shows us here in this verse six all about being pearl pushers. And, um, the trouble with verse six is that I think it's being really misunderstood. Because it's not seen in the context of what has been said previously. Verse six says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under foot, under their feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, many, um, have understood this, and you may, um, as well, and I had sort of looked at this in this way, have understood this, as, as having certain wonderful treasures of truth um, that we could give to others. Perhaps that um, treasure is, is the gospel itself, but there's some, and we, we sort of look at this and we say, well, so there are some who are, aren't worthy of those treasures. Um, we have to watch out for such people. That's somehow somehow we've understood it. Normally they are thought of as people who wouldn't accept our treasure or would not use it in the right way. They are the, the kind of pigs, or the, the dogs in the, the, in question in the passage. They're the unclean, aren't they? They're unclean animals. And we're not to waste our good, our good treasure on them. To good things on worthless or evil people. Now, of course, you start to think about it. Is that really what Jesus meant here? I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to imagine anything, I think, more opposed um, to the gospel and the spirit of God. The very coming of Jesus, if you think about it, the coming of Jesus as the pearl himself into the world was to save what? The unworthy To save the unclean. Those who by nature trample on good things. And that would be, of course, actually every single one of us, wouldn't it? So Jesus isn't suggesting that certain classes of people are to be viewed as as pigs and dogs. Nor is he saying that we shouldn't give good things and do good deeds to people who might reject or misuse them which is the way that most people have thought about it now the problem with pearls for pigs isn't that pigs are not worthy worthiness is not the question here at all but helpfulness worthiness is not in question here at all but helpfulness. You see, pigs cannot digest pearls and cannot it cannot nourish them. Likewise, for a dog with sacred things, I don't know, it could what is a sacred thing? It might be a Bible, it might be um, the truths of the cross. The dog cannot eat it. The reason these animals will finally turn and tear you to pieces with another load of sacred things and a pile of pearls is that you at least are edible, isn't it? While I was um, studying uh, agriculture science um, as my first degree, I did a summer placement on a pig farm, which is, at the time, I didn't think it would be really useful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there you go, it is, in Cambridge. And the thing about pigs... Oh, I didn't like that job. <laughs> the thing about pigs is that they will have a go at anything that you put in front of them. If you, you lob something at them, they will try and eat it. Um, but having said that, they are discerning animals, and they can discern the difference between pearl, pot- potatoes and pearls. They know the difference. And if you keep trying to throw um, at them inedible Things eventually they will have a go at you. They will. They'll turn on you. And the thing is, um, some of the horrendous things that have happened, people, farmers who've been knocked on unconscious in a pig pen and then have died and been eaten. And it is true, they may turn on you and eat you. That's the image here. Do you see what Jesus is trying to illustrate for us? We are all pearl pushers trying to correct and control others by pouring out good things, often precious things, often noble things, right things, but things that simply cannot be ingested or cannot be nourished at that moment in time. We often, what are we doing? We're we're actually not listening to the person in front of us, are we? We just lob more stuff at them, just chuck truth at them, not thinking about where they are and what's going on in their lives and engaging with them in their own situation. And so our good intentions therefore make little difference on them, little impact in their lives. And finally, the needy person, they may just simply, the person that you're actually trying to help but actually... You're not seeing them for who they are. May you just simply say, every time I keep try to talk to you, you don't listen to me. Why would I listen to you? You just keep ramming down my throat the same pre-packaged answer. You think about um, think about it again in the sort of parent and child relationship as children. With children, you, I mean, effectively, with little children, small children, you are effectively controlling their lives, aren't you? You're doing everything. You are. You are in control. You tell them what is right and good for them. You teach them about Jesus. You read the Bible to them. You pray with them. Um, but we all know, as they grow into teens, we find it difficult to let go, don't we? We find it difficult to let go. If you've been in that situation, We're still trying to control them. We think we know what's best. We think uh, we know what is right and good for them. But of course growing up uh, into adulthood is to let them think for themselves and to build a different kind of relationship with, with them as teens and as adults. Not just being a pearl pusher on them. And so, at the heart of this is force feeding, in a way. Force feeding is that we're trying to take control of people and talking and taking others, and of course, this is at the crux of it: taking control of a situation which actually should be God's, trying to bring them under our control. So, don't be a, a pearl pusher. Um, don't try to drive drive people. Don't try to bash them. Instead, seek the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Of gentleness, of we just respect, patience, kindness. What's that all about? It's actually waiting for for God to open the door, isn't it? Of reading the situation and the the people in front of you and their lives so that you might have an opportunity at that moment to speak into their lives with the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's the second point, the... The third one, which is, of course, then related. Asking what we want from others and from God. As as long as I am judging others, my my friends, or if I'm pushing pearls on them, I become their problem, actually, don't I? I become a problem to them. But if we maintain a sensitive and non-manipulative presence in their lives... What happens? Well, we no longer become a problem to them, don't we? As I sit and listen to them, they do not have to protect themselves from me. And they begin to open up. And in those moments, it's then I become a resource to them in their situation. (coughs) Genuine... Communication then happens, isn't it? It's established a communication with one another. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. In the kingdom of God that Jesus has established... Our approach to helping others or trying to to draw alongside others and for us to be a help will simply be to ask. If we've got the other two points right, it will just simply about being asking. Asking them perhaps to change or to consider and to help them in any way that they ask of us. You see, as long as we are respectful of everybody before God, because everyone is in God's image and loved by God, our thoughtfulness and and graciousness, we can keep asking, we can keep seeking, we can keep knocking on the door of their hearts in the hopeful expectation before them and at the same time before God, our Creator. When we ask someone to do something, we stand with that person in the place of constraint. Without kind of force, not demanding anything, or you should do this, or you ought to do this, but rather just simply saying, have you thought about this? How's this going? Gentleness. Humility, respect, we ask, we request, we seek, we knock. In the very real understanding that, of course, the person could, might just not listen. But that's the way it is, isn't it? Speaking, asking, requesting is nothing other than the proper way for people to interact. And, of course, when you think about it, it is actually the way of prayer, isn't it? where people interact in prayer that's why Jesus moves from asking for what you want of others to asking what you want from the father which of you if your son asks for bread will give him a stone If you he asks for a fish will give him a snake if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him Jesus is pointing out, isn't it, that while, yes, of course, there might be some really cruel uh, responses and requests, the very act of asking generally brings to bear the power that usually secures the desired response and result. In an intimate relationship, the request is by itself usually enough to bring the desired results. As Jesus shows with his illustration of the Son there are relationships of course that have been damaged by judgmentalism by condemning by by blaming by pushing pearls on others that may cause the request to be denied but that's moving against actually the fundamental force that is work in the kingdom of god Jesus uses these ordinary family situations to help us understand the power of prayer. How much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And I suppose here is the, the basic fundamental answer to the urgent need we all feel to influence other people for good. Simple, isn't it? The answer is prayer. It's to ask, seek, knock. So we come back to the so in verse 12 where we began. Having made clear the power of prayer to achieve the good, Jesus says, well, so. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophecy it sums up the whole of scripture the revealed word of god so do to others what you would have them do to you by not condemning not blaming others not forcing beautiful things on others not being a pearl pusher but by asking Gently, with respect, seeking, knocking, coming before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. I'm conscious that. When we read a passage like this there are perhaps for many of us times when we have been judgmental we have sought to condemn others and we may be on the receiving end of condemnation or judgmentalism and so Father we come before you with our own thoughts our hearts before you we recognize that we cannot do this by ourselves. We need your spirit, your kingdom, purposes to affect our hearts and our minds. So as a community, a new community in Christ, we may exhibit that love for one another. Please, Father, help us to do this. And may by it we grow growing in understanding of you and all that you are and all that you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.